You are listening to the iFanboy Pick of the Week podcast, episode 166, sponsored by InStock Trades and Netflix. iFanboy.com Pick of the Week podcast. It's episode 166. My name is Connor. I'm here with Ron. Hey, I'm back. I'm back. Let me tell you, you guys can answer the phone when I call for bail. You know, thank God Jim was around. (laughs) We're we're sick of it, honestly. (laughs) Every week of this. (laughs) And Josh. Hello. Law abiding Josh. (laughs) I don't know what the side of a police station looks like. (laughs) We are iFanboy.com. We like comics. We read comics. Every week we read a bunch of comics. One of us picks the best one they read that week. They write about it on iFanboy.com. We talk about it on the website. We talk about it here in this podcast along with the rest of the books of the week, other topics of interest, all kinds of various fun stuff. And before we get going, we'd like to remind everybody and warn you that this is a show about the books of the week, so there will be spoilers. If you haven't read your books, pause the show. Come back. You'll be happier that you did. Josh. Yes. you poor bastard at the pick of the week this week. <laughs> See, all week you have been going on about how there was nothing for comics and there was there was no good. I had I had a few good things to choose from, and I don't feel as if this is a a mercy pick, as 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 it were. It was a light I week. Say, was, I, I didn't say it was a mercy pick. I just saying it was not a very strong week. Yeah, there wasn't a lot. There wasn't a lot to choose from. But for, from what I bought, there was a lot of good stuff, though. So I mean, I, yeah, I read some good stuff. I read some books I really liked. Um, and and you know. Thank God that it was, you know, eight, nine books. That's great. That's fantastic. That, that um, means it could be done by reading by dinner. Oh, I was. It was good. <laughs> it was real good. I finished the pick of the week by seven. I was done. Nice. Um, my pick was uh, Hellboy, The Wild Hunt, number two of eight uh, from Dark Horse Comics by Mike Mignola with art by Duncan Fagrido because Mike doesn't draw that often anymore. He does a cover. He did the um, last one. He did that one shot. He did a one shot, but that was the first one that he'd done in a while and – you know, this is this is the the ongoing Hellboy story now. Is this just like Darkness Calls before it uh, is all drawn by Duncan Figueroa? Um, and this is as good a time as any to say that's fine. Um, I mean, I love I love Mike Mignola. Don't get me wrong. You can see on the covers that that you know he does beautiful stuff. It's all his thing. But I don't read the stuff drawn by Duncan Figueroa and think, oh, this is lacking. It's not the same. It's it's really good and it fits. Um, and you know, like we say it a billion times, you know, Dave Stewart's colors tie everything together. But Dark Horse chooses the Hellboy artists really carefully. You know, they, Mike chooses them really carefully. I think yeah, uh, probably. Um, but it, it's just it retains that same sort of feel. It doesn't look exactly like Mike Mignola's, but you know, if you're not really paying attention, and you, it's really easy to get into it, just like you would anything else. You know, like you would a regular one of the regular Mignola books. Um, this is the second part of of the new eight part story. Um, and at the end of the last story, basically, and here's your spoiler part, is that uh, he meets Hellboy, who has been wandering around 
God knows where for the last uh, couple of books. Um, it ends up in England with a bunch of sort of English gentlemen who are about to go on a giant hunt. And and uh, they're in tuxedos and they're old and one of them has a big deer head on. And uh, they all he's like, sure, I'll go out for the giant hunt, whatever. Um, and they, they go out there and then the last page, one of them uh, stabs Hellboy through the back, uh, through his chest. And, and, and says, you're the giant. And that was the end of the issue. So when we come into this one, it's, it's just like these men yelling, finish him. And he's, you know, he's groaning in agony. And then he blinks out, wakes up in some strange cave, and then comes back. Like when he wakes up like two pages later, all the English guys are dead. And, and he's got some bird talking to him. Uh, it wasn't very sporting of them. It Not wasn't. Of a hunt. No. Really, it's a backstabbing. Well, you know the the, the upper class of uh, the the aristocracy can can is has not been known to be uh, terribly uh, kind or fair. I think in the history of time, um, and then from so so from that he finds out that he has to go like the giants are around, so he goes to fight them, and um, then there's like sort of two other stories that are contained in this um, that that they just sort of switch to. So it's sort of three stories that go on in this one issue. And and one of them actually goes all the way back to uh, a story called Iron Shoes, um, which is I think like a little three or five page story from from one of the earlier trade volumes, uh, where there's there's a baby, and and Hellboy sort of goes into this cabin in the middle of nowhere and he throws he holds an iron horseshoe up to it and it turns into a little demon. You guys remember that at all? No, no. Mm, it's not vaguely familiar, but well, uh... it's like a little callback to that. And so like this is the creature that was that baby and he sort of tells his origin story. So it was this little sort of story from, from way back when and there he's building it into the, you know, the, the bigger mythology and I'm sure that this will tie into what Hellboy's doing right now. And then there was this other sort of tale that was, it was almost like out of a, a Sandman book where it was this warrior who, who couldn't be killed and it was a story behind his thing. This one was drawn by uh, Guy Davis, um, which again, different, sto- different style, but like it just fits in the Hellboy you know the the look, I guess. Um, so it's just sort of these three stories that I, I'm I'm pretty excited about the idea that they're going to be brought together. I assume that they will, but this is like, a little more like the earlier Hellboy stuff would always have little backup stories and things. The whole the whole issue wasn't one tale, you know. So there was all these sort of short stories that they all come together into a big Hellboy mythology. Um, and I the thing that that I've I've been thinking about what it is about Hellboy that I like is not. Like the big mythology and everything is fine, but it's a little hard to follow at times because it's been spread out over so many years, and I've only read them in the last couple of years. But the thing that I like is that is that Hellboy is just a guy who 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 goes along with things. He's like, okay, this is I don't I don't really have time for your crap, but if we we have to go through with this, let's do it. Like when he wakes up, basically, like when he wakes up, the, there's this bird talking to. Him. This sounds so silly out of context, by the way. <laughs> Um, there's this bird talking to him and, and, and the bird put like a flower in his hand and the bird's like, now the giants can't see you. And he walks over to where the giants are and, and, and he goes, ah, screw this. And he throws the flower down and starts punching him. Like he just, he doesn't have time for the BS. And that's the thing that I really like about it. The more that I think about him, he's just like, all right, there's, there's just too much crap to deal with all the time. And, and let's just get this over with. So he just goes out swinging cause he has a big right hand of doom. And why not? Um, the the last issue was a lot of fun. This one was too. I I I actually haven't read Darkness Calls, the the mini that comes before this, and apparently that helps a lot. But I was cool with it. I was. You didn't, fine. Seem, you didn't seem to need the help. I didn't feel like it. No, no. It's. I mean, it's like every, these stories really do all sort of work each on their own. 
Um, and it, it's really cool because you can sort of jump in at any time and then work backwards if you want to. But since the story isn't really told uh, chronologically, there's not really a reason to read them all you know, front to back, which, which is actually kind of nice. It's, it's well planned in that way. Is it still like that? Is it still not chronological? It seems like they're foc- I mean, it seems like they're focusing on BPRD is all chronological. It seems like these are coming out regularly now. The Hellboy minis. I haven't really read much BPRD. I only hopped on there, so these are still less so because even so, like he doesn't really. He, it doesn't seem like he's been existing completely in like our world and our timeline for a while. So it's hard to say. I guess. I, I suppose this one is more so. But it, I don't know. It's it's in the middle of a story, so it's hard for me to tell you where it is. But I kind of just tend to enjoy each of these stories on their own and just sort of watch him do his thing. And and these are one of the things about these these Hellboy issues is that the the pages are really just a lot of fun to look at. Like in one of those, like a lot of times, I'm a very story driven person. I like to sort of go through the story, but I really like watching this, looking at the pages on these, each almost as their own merit and sort of following the character through the pages. And like, there's a fight. You know that happens, and it just doesn't feel like he's just sort of existing and floating around. You can sort of follow what's happening, and it, it's it's fun in that way. Now, why did you pick up this but not Darkness Calls? Uh, I actually, when Darkness Calls came out, I hadn't read any Hellboy. So by the time that we started reading it, um, which was almost probably almost two years ago now. Um, oh, it's been that long since Darkness Calls has been. Yeah, yeah, no, it's been a while. So I just I I kind of missed it. It's one of those trades I mean to pick up, but don't. Um, nice. I will, you know. Besides, I think that's the only trade I'm missing in the whole sort of progression of them. Do you know what number that is? That's seven, I believe. Uh, it's either seven or eight, and I think this would be eight or nine. I think it's seven. If I look, yeah, you, don't, I, you don't want me to go through the shelf. <laughs> you know, a lot. There's, there's a lot of Hellboys. Yeah, there is. I, I was just but, thinking. I was just saying. It's been. I mean, because it's been like uh, almost. It's going to be 20 years soon of Hellboy. I mean, it's like we're, yeah, pa- no, we're past 15 years of Hellboy, and it's like there's a lot of material there, and it's 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 interesting to see that it's still coming out and it's still fresh and um, you know and and good. Yeah. Well, you, I think that I think that for a little while it got it got weird. Like Hellboy took off, he left the BPRD, he spent a lot of time at the bottom of the ocean. I can't really even explain it that well because I'm not entirely sure I understand it. What I, lo- I, what I love about this stuff is out of context to somebody like me who doesn't read Hellboy. Like I've read Hellboy here and there, but I don't, like, out of context, it just sounds ridiculous. It's hysterical. It is. Uh, yeah. No, but it is. And like, it's the thing is that you just sort of accept it. Yeah. Like, oh, he, like all of a sudden Hellboy's at the bottom of the ocean and he's talking to a skeleton in a pirate ship. <laughs> all right. We'll just we'll go with that. I mean, it really like you sort of just go along for that ride and hope that eventually it will it will come together. Um, it is very much about the ride with this one. I think more than the payoff of the story, and I think that that's that's you know it's not it's not all like a regular comic book in that way. Um, but it, but it's all one big thing. Someday I want to read them all straight through again, you know, and see if it all sort of holds together a little more. But I don't think that that would make it that much better, honestly. In those nice library editions. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Great, great. But really, like, really, the the Figrito art in this was exceptionally impressive like i keep looking at the pages and just going these are these are gorgeous gorgeous pages if you if you get a chance and you're in the shop just flip through it and take a look at it it's it's really great how many issues is this mini eight it's a big one yeah it's hardy they're not messing around he's i I think that mike mignola went shit it has been 20 years i better speed this up (laughs) i better 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 get on this and so that's that's your pick of the week for the week the week that was yes um I thought about it for about a half a second. Is is Punisher number one going to be my pick of the week? I thought. Wow. 
I thought about it. It, it ultimately it wasn't like that would have like, been a shocker. It would have been a shock. It would have been a huge shark shocker. Um, um, so Punisher number one, uh, the the relaunch. I guess they canceled Punisher War Journal and have relaunched Punisher is just just Punisher, no the or anything. And right. uh, written by Rick Remender and drawn by Jerome Pena, his uh, uh, sometimes Fear Agent artist, um, or alternating Fear Agent artist. Uh, th- this was this was quite good. It was, and you know what else was what the thing that actually really really stuck with me about something like this. I did not hate the Sentry in this issue. Good point. Good point. Neither did I. I, I didn't. I didn't think about that till you just said it. No, I mean, like, like he wasn't. I mean, when I, I saw the cover, I was sort of joking. I was like, "Oh, good, he's going to kill the Sentry." Like in this, the Sentry acted like I think he should have. He didn't start. They need to stop making him cry. Okay, that's yeah, obviously. Let that go. They need to lose the void. I know that's his whole character thing, but I think that's part of what's really annoying. But in this, he was just he, sort of the force of of nature. He was Superman asking this. Yes. Yeah. And I think that's how he was. He was written. Yeah. Um. And literally, I was a little bit just kind of like looking at, at Heath Houston jump around in my head. Yeah, well, well, I mean, Remender's definitely got writing Frank Castle down, and I thought the story was great. And so basically, the Punisher, the Punisher's not buying this Norman Osborn bull, bullshit, and and this issue starts up with him um, setting up a mile away to uh, take or Norman Osborn out with a sniper rifle. Um, but the Sentry stops the bullet, and then the Sentry and the Punisher have, have a big fight, and the Punisher ultimately out, you know, outwits the Sentry by um, making him think that there's a bomb planted in the hospital, you know. And, and how, how does that big fight not last more than two seconds? Yeah. Well, that's one. <laughs> that's one of the real strengths I thought of the issue was that I thought the same thing, but it was ultimately mostly believable. Yeah. I mean, like it was. He, I think he really went to pains to. I mean, to show that Frank was getting the living shit beat out of him. You yeah. know, like he was really letting himself get get creamed, but not quite caught. And and it just was on the edge of believable. And I think that that's what helped. Um, this was actually, I thought, a really nice clinic in um, in sequential pages. Yep. And like showing things happen. Like Frank falls through a window, grabs onto a ledge, it falls. You know, you you know, it's just it was really fun in the, in that way. Yeah, no, I, I agree. But the one, the one thing is that um, I thought Opeña's art was fantastic, but I really didn't like. I don't know if it was the inking yep. or the coloring. Um, I actually thought the same thing. I looked. Yeah. He inked himself. Yeah, and it seemed a little looser than I think we've been used to with him. And we saw some of these pages. We saw before the, they were. We saw the pencils. Yeah, Rick shared the pencils with us, and they looked really amazing. And I remember, oh, and I opened up this issue to the. We we saw the first two pages, and I just remember just with the first two pages, kind of exhaling in disappointment, going, "Oh." Marvel color, like, Marvel coloring ruins another artist. So. Yeah, I think that I think the inks could have probably been a little tighter. Yeah, um, but so the, if the coloring maybe was just more more flat. It's muddy. It's this. It's this weird. Mar- for some reason, it's only in Marvel books. I don't understand why. Yeah, it's but it's paint. Yeah, it's this weird muddying that that's happening. That that like you know like, could imagine if you know if Lee Lowridge or whoever whoever colored Jerome Pena on Fear Agent was coloring this, it would look great. Yeah. You know, so. Yeah, no, I, I think you're right. Um, yeah. It, it, I, I thought the same thing. That was, that was actually one of the reasons I didn't go with this too, because I was, yeah. it wasn't quite. The, the, the added value though for this was the, uh, was the Punisher saga, uh, mm-hmm. backup material that kind of is like if this is somebody's first Punisher issue, they try to bring the Punisher, bring you up to speed on the Punisher as a character. It was possibly the funniest thing I've read in in weeks. 
because oh, really? I didn't read it. You know, well, you turn the page. Just look at the look at the panels. You see, like because they they try to highlight everything in the Punisher's history, and it's like there's the Punisher with Spider Man, with Daredevil, with Wolverine, with Power Pack, with um with Cable, with Doctor Doom, with Ghost Rider. It's like every cro- with Nova, Darkhawk, Moon Knight, Knight Deathlock. Like it was just like it's just like stepping back from the from the character as like a comics historian. It just shows how. And I, I'm reminded of when we talked about it on the video show how ridiculous the Punisher has been treated as a character over the past 20 years um, as just this kind of like supporting kind of force of chaos um, and not really really coming into his own until the 2000s it just really kind of reinforced that it was really as a comics history standpoint it was really funny to read so to, to try to talk to have them talk about that seriously you know mm. so, but, but it, was, it was a good issue I probably enjoyed this more than any Punisher story I've read in quite a while you know that, that wasn't written by Garth Ennis that I read in 2000. Well, yeah, 2001. this is the difference between the Punisher, Ennis's Punisher, which takes place in the real world, and, and the superhero Punisher, you know, which I thought, yes. and I thought Rick did it pretty well. So, yeah. So, um, well, for me, my pick of the week would be no surprise that it was uh, Blue Monday uh, Thieves Like Us number one. Um, the first Blue Monday series from China Clugston in, in I don't know how long it's been. It's been at least five years, if not more. Um, and basically, it, it, it's this is the story of a girl named Blue Finnegan, who's the girl on the cover with the blue hair, and her group of friends, and just how you know she likes her teacher, and and one of her friends likes her, and one of the other friends likes another girl, and and basically it's all kind of you know kind of mod kids in high school, and just and the relationships and wackiness that happens. What really struck me about this issue though is that in it's been a while. I think the last thing I read that China did was a Scooter Girl, that miniseries from Oni that came out like geez, like four years ago or something. Like she been what she been doing? I think she's been doing kids books for. Scholastic, oh, um, making money, and making, making money, yeah, making uh, money. But what right. was what was really interesting though? Now seeing her come back to her kind of her her most popular title is to see there's been a real evolution of her art. Um, mm-hmm. When she when she came out, like oh geez, now ten years ago, oh my god. Um, when she first started coming out, she had a very very strong Japanese manga influence. Um, you know, kind of that you know the big eyes that sort of thing. That influence is still there, but her. Her pencils and just the general artwork has has kind of gotten to a more I don't want to say normal but more um, less Japanese American. kind of style, a more American style. And it, it this was just the art was really really strong, was really strong. I, I mean that that was the one thing that blew me away about this was that you know knowing you know remembering and reading everything that she did previously, like I, I was the layouts were stronger, the figures were stronger. It just like everything just it it showed improvement, which I thought was really really interesting. So. Well, let me ask you because I, I I've read the older Blue Monday stuff, which I really liked a lot. Yep. It sounds to me from that very brief description you gave of the plot, it's the same plot. Oh yeah, I mean, and it basically is. I mean, essentially, you she's know, still in love with her teacher, and she's and, still in love with her teacher. Except now, except I guess, um, and I don't, I don't remember the, now she's forty eight. I don't, so. I don't remember the last series how it ended, but I think she told him, and 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 it kind of got laughed off or whatever. And she she chalked it up saying, well, obviously he doesn't like me because I don't have enough experience. So apparently, this series is her trying to lose her virginity so that she has experience, so that she's like a mature woman for her teacher who. She she loves um, old yeah yeah which is pretty yeah a lot of a lot of a lot of frank you know kind of little you know sex talk um not not explicit but you know very kind of innocent high schooly kind of way um like they they ditch school and they go to the zoo and all the all the animals at the zoo are all doing it and it's driving her crazy and and you know this kind of subtle you know and everybody's kind of hooking up and it's you know like you know how it gets in the spring when everybody kind of just starts you know when you're in high school and everybody starts pairing off that sort of thing um and it did that happen in the spring at your high school? Because kind of, I thought it was a year-round thing. Oh no, no, no! The winter was normally that's when people broke up, and then people got back together in the spring. Winter was in, I grew up in Maine, and winter people had to huddle together oh. for warmth. Oh yeah, it no. was. 
in w- winter people get on each other's nerves. Um, <laughs> but, but anyway, um, so yeah, so I don't know. It was just, it was fun to have this title back. I've been waiting for it for so long and it was just, you know, it was a no brainer pick of the week for me, but I, but the nice thing was the, the, the rash improvement in her, in her artwork. I mean, it was really, really noticeably improved. So not that it was bad before, but yeah, no, no, it was, it was just very manga. Yeah. So shockingly enough, my pick of the week was secret invasion war of Kings. Really? Wow. Yeah. I would like to hear your reasoning behind this. Well, I just finished reading the Nova hardcover that Ron got me for Christmas, which was the first year of Nova. And uh, so I'm on kind of a Nova high. And this is from Abnett and Lanning, the, the guys who write Nova, and the artist from Guardians of the Galaxy, I think. Yes, or, uh, the first arc of it, yeah. And this is the story of the Inhumans sort of coming out of Secret Invasion, but it, t- it seems to tie very much into whatever they're doing in the other books, I'm assuming, because it seemed to tie into what I just read in the Nova books. With the, uh, well, the yeah, virus, the, the, well, that, that's the thing is that that it's weird because the the you know the annihilation and everything affected the scrolls, and then that that then then that ties into secret invasion with what was going on with Earth. But really, what's and this is what I've been saying for years is that what Abnett and Landing have been doing on the cosmic scale is going to become universe impactful. And I think this is the beginning of it. It's funny because I'm I'm reading uh, the the first uh, annihilation book, the very first one. And and I was reading Nova and Guardians of the Galaxy, and then reading this, and I'm losing track of what's happening when. But it's all one big thing. Yeah, it's all. I, I, I don't know that it's going to be. I don't know if it's going to really affect the rest of the world. I think. They, I, th- I really think it's just going to stay in their own little pocket universe they've got going. But well, the, oh, you don't, well, you don't read Guardians of the Galaxy, though, did you? Did no, but that's part of their pocket universe. I don't yeah. think it's going to spread into Captain America or anything else that Marvel's doing. I think. I don't think that's the case. I mean. It just doesn't seem that way, but it, it is. It is like setting a new paradigm, though, for all of these sort of classic Marvel characters. Yeah, that's going to be around for a while. Um, you know, and and it can be used in the greater Marvel universe if they want to. I suppose if you want to look at it that way. So why did you? Why, sure. did, you, why did you like this, Connor? Because they they seem to write old school Marvel. That's yes. With an with a modern twist that's very fun and exciting. This is this is like reading books from the late eighties. From Marvel, like the old, the old Vision yeah. Hawkeye Avengers books, kind of that feeling where mm-hmm. it's it's a it's not it's not all mired in sort of angst and street level stuff that, that permeates a lot of the books now. This is sort of big and epic and cosmic and punching and and heroes are heroes and villains are villains. So it's nice to have that as a counterpoint to what you normally read in other books mm-hmm. and and it's just fun. And I don't the thing <laughs> is I really enjoyed this issue. I'm not going to read any more of it because it's continuing on to all the other books, but I enjoy this as a one-shot. Um, and I think you don't – I didn't really need I – mean, I've only read that Nova, 12 issues to Nova, so I haven't, you don't really need to read anything else, I don't think. A lot of the information is really given to you. Oh, yeah. yeah. They present it so that you can pick it up and you understand what's going on. And then the Inhumans – basically the Inhumans kick ass and take over the Kree, which is pretty cool. The, in, the Inhumans decide they're not going to screw around anymore and they're just yeah. going to fight. And they, well, they, the deal is this, is that the Inhumans, for those of you who don't know, they were, they, were, they were humans, and the Kree came to Earth a long, 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 long time ago and turned them into perfect weapons. However, then they sort of got abandoned by the Kree, and so in this book, the Inhumans have said, and Inhumans always had this sort of... Then they went pacifist after that. Isolationist more than pacifist. Yeah. Like, they don't want to be involved, so they just cloister themselves in their own little bubble and, and, and try to stay away from the humans. In this one... Because of everything that happened during Secret Invasion, that they had captured Black Bolt and, and basically tortured him and captured his son, he's pissed. Um, and so he says he, Black Bolt makes the decision, you know, which, which thrills you know, his wife Medusa and his crazy brother uh, Maximus. I love Maximus. Was, I love it. Who was 
great in this, by the way. Yeah, are, are, yeah. You going in the, are you going in that room? Oh, you are. Ooh, ooh, ooh. <laughs> um, and, and he says, you know, we're taking it to them. And th- I thought, for me, the really fun part about this was, A, it was like, let's, they're, they're, those characters are finally getting to be proactive. So long they've been the, the silent weapon that isn't used, like the, like the nuclear weapon that doesn't get used. The fact that it's there is the scary thing. Um, and you didn't know what was going to happen. I was like, are they going to go after... The Kree? Like, are they going to fight their makers? And then there was a nice sort of bit at the end. I, like, the thing is, I wasn't really sure if I was enjoying this. I like parts of it, but I didn't know if it was great. But I got to the end, and I was like, that was that was fantastic. It was just these big choices about what to do with these characters, and and you know what? So basically, at the end of this, you know, here's your big spoiler again. Uh, I guess Black Bolt is now the ruler of the Kree. Yep. Wow, that is huge. Yep. That's that's awesome. And so, I love the echo weapons that were powered on the the echoes of his whispers. Right, yeah, that was that really was cool. Brilliant. Yeah, I yeah. like that that Maximus had been the one to design all of that stuff, and they never used it. Yep. So and uh, turning no, the whole the, turning the whole city into a ship and, and basically into a weapon that was it's all so cool. And then um, uh, Pelletier was totally channeling Alan Davis through a lot of the pencils. Yeah, he was. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah which he was. Is a good I mean, actually, yeah. I didn't enjoy these pencils as much as I liked his work on Guardians of the Galaxy for whatever yeah. reason. I don't know if it was exactly the same, but it just felt a little different yeah. I don't know if, I don't know if the colors were muted or something like it was weird yeah like it wasn't quite coloring again I hate to be that guy but yeah, you're that guy. yeah whatever um I, I I prefer a slimmer black bolt also yeah he was a little beefy he was a little beefy he was a little um who's the JSA guy who makes everybody giant Eaglesham Eaglesham I couldn't yeah. think of it yeah he's <laughs> a little like little he's on the sauce he's on the juice but but you know every time a new Inhuman story comes out, I'm I sort of like temper myself because there just aren't that many good ones. Like because you know the, the best ones, the Jenkins one, and then everything after that sort of pales. But this was fun and it could be real big and 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 cool. So so you're gonna buy all these? I buy most of them anyway. I was looking. King's Dark Hawk number one. You're gonna buy that one? Well, if it's only hell, one book, hell yeah. <laughs> well, I know you are. Yeah. War of Kings uh, number well, one. War of Kings Dark Hawk number one. <laughs> X Men Kingbreaker. Guardians of the Galaxy, Nova. Yeah. I don't have to buy all those. you got a lot of reading ahead of you. Nah, you don't have to buy all those. <laughs> I buy the regular books I buy. Maybe a one-shot here or there if I need War to. War of Kings is a six-issue miniseries. Darkhawk is a two-issue miniseries. And X-Men Kingbreaker is a four-issue four miniseries. In addition to Guardians of the Galaxy and Nova. Well, we'll, 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 we'll take it as it comes. <laughs> we'll see how we're feeling on a given week. That's kind of how I tend to roll. <laughs> well, if this all sounds good to you, you want to pick up Trades of Nova or, or the Annihilation Saga, you can go to InStockTrades.com because they have everything for up to 37% off. they got free shipping and orders over $50 and over 5,400 trade paperbacks in stock available for order right now. they got new releases listed every Wednesday, and the orders usually ship within 48 hours of your purchase. And all that is available at www.InStockTrades.com. <laughs> yes. I <laughs> thought we were better at this by now. <laughs> so Amazing Spider-Man number 582. Um this is the this is the wrap up of the this the sto- story arc involving um Molten Man and Harry Osborn trying to make up with his ex-wife or make you know make things better for his ex-wife Liz Allen. Um this just uh, and, and ironically inked by Andy Lanning who wrote uh, uh War of Kings. Hell of an ink. Yeah, he should be in Kenya. I mean, when I mean, does he have time? Seriously, Andy Lanning is like this. the Swiss Army knife of Marvel Comics these days. It's ridiculous. <laughs> the man is writing. He's inking. It's uh, it's amazing. He does. He does DC. He did Infinite Crisis too. Yeah. Jeez. Anyway, um, but uh, th- this whole arc. Hey, wait, I'm sorry. Did you notice that one page was drawn by Klaus Janson? Yeah, page 22, the last page, the Spider <laughs> Tracer the, page. 
just, I know, just weird. It was just well, like the, it was the epilogue. Yeah. I know all these different dudes on this book. It was I great. Um, the, the, I mean, every week in and week out, I got to give them credit that Spider Man is just uh, this is how Spider Man should be. And yep. and and even so much in the in the second to last page of the issue, not the epilogue page, but the last page where Peter and uh, and um, Harry Osborn are just sitting there talking, and I give Dan Slott credit. Like I never really understood the, their friendship, and now I'm like I totally get it. You know, like it totally. Yep. I, I like these guys are best friends, and they've been for years, and it, and it felt so natural, and it was uh, I, I don't know, it was just it's. A great combination of of Spider Man action and the drama of these people's relationships in their lives, and and it just it, this is what this past year Spider Man has been everything I'd ever want from a Spider Man book, and that's that's pretty darn amazing. So, um, and I love McCone's Spider Man. I love the way he draws him. So, yeah, he does a great Spider Man. No, this was really fun. This again, like like the War of Kings, reminded me of that was the late eighties era Spider Man. Yeah. It's sort of it's it's adventure and it's exciting and it's funny and it's it's just it's great. I love this this little two issues. It was two issues, right? Two, yeah. two issues. Story. No, it was like a three or four issue, I think, wasn't it? I don't know. I, I don't know. It was it was, sh- it was shorter than the normal the normal yeah, story. Yeah, it was pretty but, short, uh, but it was good. But it was good. So. And then next next time we have a John Romita Senior cover. Oh, beautiful. Yep, so it's good. Spider Man's good. Uh, Jonah Hex thirty nine. Uh, I really had a problem with the art. Yeah. Yeah, I was going to say, that's actually why I put it in here, because, you know, this is one of my favorite books. I always look forward to it, and I look forward to the different artists that they bring in. Um, when you hear us talk about things like storytelling and, and craft and things like that, this is a really good example of when it doesn't work. Because yeah, it was, yeah, it was hard trouble. Panel-to-panel progression was, was difficult. It was really difficult, and all the characters looked the same. Like, I had to check, as like, am I looking at Jonah Hex or not? And I should always know who Jonah Hex is. But they had a bunch of dudes who basically had Wolverine faces with stubble, and it was this was even this, Jonah Hex did, and at one point I looked, yeah. looked like he had a full beard at one point. Yeah, um, and and literally that's why I'm bringing this up. Like I don't think the story that was written was was bad. No, the story was the story was good. I was as I was reading, I was like, this is a good story. I'm having trouble getting into it because I can't figure out what the hell's happening in the pages. But if you it, just read the words, it was good. Exactly, and actually that's literally why I I put it on the list and I wanted to talk about it because I know that people will pick this book up and try it out sort of randomly. I know that people did even this week for this one. This is not a good example of this book. It was really hard to follow, and it's not just you. That's basically what I'm getting at, I think. Um, so I, I, hope, I, I hope this guy either sorts out his storytelling a little more or they move on to the next artist. But this was, this was a down week for, for Jonah Hex, unfortunately. It was a good story. And like at the end, I really liked the ending as it was written, but I just couldn't quite sort out what happened. Yeah, it was it was a, it's a disappointment whenever they every once in a while this will happen in this book because they the thing with Jonah Hex is there's always different artists. Jo, Jordy Bernay is sort of the official guy who does most of the work, but there's always random people writing this mm-hmm. drawing this book and and sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't work. But this it, was yeah, not, didn't didn't work, didn't, didn't work, work at all. Um, I'd say now my watch your filthy mouth on I'd this next. Always one. you got to tell me this. My, my run this, the thing is this was nearly pick of the week. Um, was Walking <laughs> Dead fifty seven. Um, now you guys are both. Ron, you read Invincible in, tra- in issues, but not this. Walking Dead in hardcovers. Okay, so you, I can tell you about it now, and you won't remember anyway. <laughs> yeah, so. pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, okay, you've <laughs> um, um, now you've seen, you've read this book. You understand what happens in this book. You understand that every everybody dies. Say six to eight issues, yep. some shit goes down that you go, "Oh yeah. no, he did." Yeah. Yeah, that happened here oh, uh, again. So this is the one that when you get to it in the trades, you'll be like, "Oh, oh man." That was the and, one. Yeah, let me just let me just read you um, 
the the sound effects used um, as as Rick chases a person with a knife. Um, shuck, 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 shuck. Those are the sounds of a blade <laughs> going into flesh repeatedly. Oh. And literally, uh, when I was thinking about which what I was going to write for pick of the week, it was between this one and between Hellboy. Um, and incidentally, the reason I didn't was because the last few pages of this were incredible, but the rest of it was just pretty much regular. Um, like that was the beginning of my review. Shuck, 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 shuck. <laughs> because like, like every once in a while, like uh, I think I, I ignore sound effects a lot of the time. Like they're just there. I may not necessarily even read them. In this one, like they really, these words and they, they, the onomatopoeia really took on a meaning. Um, this was, this was, this was good, good walking dead doing what it's supposed to, which is just grinding the knife into your ribs over and over again literally sometimes sometimes (laughs) let me tell you this the guy really really deserved it okay (laughs) i just read number the volume nine of the trade came out this week as well i read that so that i read that in about an hour yeah i was like oh i have to finish this the thing is about walking dead um i was thinking as i was reading it that no other book that i read constantly reestablishes itself like walking dead does where it's always changing the story the characters the settings it's always different. Well, what's Every time there's a change, it, it's always completely different. And, it's, and no other book's like that. Every book has to reset itself at the end. It has to start over at the beginning, whereas Walking Dead is always changing, well, which is at, nice. Look at this. Now, now, now take, now what, what issue did that book take you through? Do you know? They met a new group of people, and they went off with them at the very end. I'm guessing it's, because this was 57. I'm guessing you're through 55 or 56, is my guess. Um, but whatever. Um, the funny thing is, is that, you know, you look at this book and what they do to Rick... As compared to you look at Daredevil or you look at uh, Robin, yep. uh, you know, horrible shit's happening to all of those people. But with Rick, he gets to take him forward. And, like, you are wondering when he's going to hit the bottom of that well. But you see him change and progress as things go on in a way that you don't with those other things. And I think that that's what's one of the really satisfying things about the freedom he has with it. Yep. Because what he does to him, you know, he's not just a moper because he can actually change. So, so it doesn't get to be so... Well, Rick is totally... From the first issue to now, he's totally different from what he, when he started. He's a yep. totally different person. Yeah, but, but in a believable, satisfying way. That's all. Cool. Ron, why is Paul Dini making me enjoy Hush Stories? I was going to say, like, if, if Marvel is smart, they'd hire Paul Dini to do a Century miniseries because then I'd like it. <laughs> because, like, because, like, my God. Like, so, so Detective Comics number 852, like, I picked it up and I don't buy Detective Comics unless Dini's writing it. And I picked it up and I saw Hush Comics, on the Hush over the detective on the cover. And I went, oh, and I looked to see if Dini was writing it because I was ready to put it back. But I was like, ah, let me give it a shot. And this was really freaking good. It was really good. It, it was, was the closest awesome. thing to pick of the week that I had besides War of Kings. Basically, in this story, with Batman, Bruce Wayne missing, and if if Bruce Wayne is missing, and you know he's Batman, you know he's missing, and you look like Bruce Wayne, well, this is your chance to fuck shit up in his life. So Hush goes around town, fucking um, well, with it, his it, good name, it, it he steals p- his money. It picks up at the end of the last arc where you know basically Catwoman fucks over Hush and steals all of his money, leaves him beat up and penniless, and and he's and it starts off in the beginning of the issue with him com- basically committing suicide, and yeah. he gets fished out. Of, he jumps off a bridge and he gets fished, fished out of the water by some you know dock workers. Or whatever. It's a wonderful life esque, and um, it's amazing to see how quickly Hush turns it on. 
He just immediately turns on that he's Bruce Wayne and convinces these guys that he's Bruce Wayne, thanks them for helping him, tells them where to go to get to get paid, and then they give him some money and he goes off and he find, he picks up a, a socialite and, and and sleeps with her and steals her yacht and kills her, takes the yacht to Jamaica, sells the yacht, gets you know, gets you know, seven hundred thousand dollars, goes to Australia, and poses as Bruce Wayne. Like it's amazing to see how quickly he's able to get back up and running and be and like have money. Like yep. it, it was amazing. It was totally. It was great. It was really good. Goes to one of Bruce Wayne's companies. Says, "Hey, I don't have any local ca- currency. Can you give me two million dollars?" And they say, "Sure." Yep. So it, it's like it, it was very psychological. There wasn't a lot of action. It was just hush, systematically going through Bruce's life. And at the very end, well, uh, well, Catwoman's. Yeah. Well, at the end, he goes to he goes from Australia, then he goes to Vietnam, and he goes to uh, another Wayne Enterprises, you know, eco eco tourism. Um, a company and tries to pull the same thing and it doesn't work. Like the guy, the guy who's going to get the money is gone for too long, so he bails. And I thought that was a cool balance in that, like it isn't so easy, you know, right. like it doesn't always work out. Um, and then it it ultimately ends with Hush getting captured by these like Vietnamese dudes and it's Catwoman. So yeah, it was really good, really really good. Yeah, it was really good. It was. I, I'm just I can't believe how he's able to take this character that Jeff Loeb created that I can't stand and make him really really good. <laughs> it's not fair. I'm gonna I'm gonna drop him a note telling him to stop. Yeah, <laughs> just stop. All right, <laughs> I can't take it. <laughs> you're, you're contradicting my my prior held beliefs, and as a comic book fan, I have a really really hard time with that. If you want to leave reviews for the comic books that you read, you can do so at ifanboy.com. You can go to ifanboy.com/slash/comics and uh, pick your books, and then you can. There's a little thing that says write write your review, um, and we like to highlight a couple of those every week. Uh, this first one, um, Ron. Sure. First one comes from Biftech, uh, who uh, wrote about Buffy the Vampire Slayer number 21, and he gave the story a 4 out of 5 and the art a 3 out of 5. And eh, nobody else in the iFanboy community made it their pick of the week yet at the time of recording. Maybe somebody will do it um, between now and Sunday. Um, but so Biftech says that Jane Espenson was my favorite, my second favorite Buffy scripter. The geeky humor, deep characterization of marginal characters, although at this point Harmony is no longer that, and witty dialogue shine through in the issue, and, John, and Janty's art is reliable. But Espenson's forte is the small screen, and the phrasing and pacing of sequential art work differently, making this awkward at times and a bit too condensed. Um, which is interesting, yeah. which is interesting, because I, I, th- I, thought, this was a, I thought this was a weird issue. Um, I definitely got got a weird vibe to it, but I didn't think it was that the pacing was that off. You know, I, everyone knows I love this series. Last in the summertime, we did our video show where we talked about our top five books, and this was one of mine. Yep. This was how can I be nice? Not as strong as moment. This was the least good issue I've read of this book. <laughs> yeah, there's uh, another one for that I think. Well, because well, yeah, part, part of the it issue, it was not of, good. Well, part of the issue was that it, it didn't involve Buffy and, and everybody. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't. I just thought it was very awkwardly written, very awkwardly paced. Yeah, it, it, the story in itself was stupid and made no sense. Yeah. Um, I didn't, I did not enjoy reading this, which is a disappointment because I always look forward to Buffy, and it, and it comes out less reliably now. Now, it's, and uh, so when it, it I, does I, come out, I'm excited, and this was very much a letdown. I feel we had a weird. Yeah, you're down on Buffy. You're down on Jonah Hex. Hush is great. It doesn't make sense. <laughs> I, th- I feel as if this was uh, setting up the next big arc and maybe the final arc of the season, where you know, because basically Harmony is a vampire and she gets an MTV reality show and and is, and is able to um, expose the world to the fact that there are vampires and and make them seem cool and then make the Slayers seem like the ones that aren't trustworthy. And so you know, kind of ends with. You know, with Buffy and team watching this on TV, going, uh, "Guys, what you know? Do, do they know that we're the good guys?" 
Um, and so I feel as if, you know, like that's probably going to be the next arc is that is this kind of very public battle between the slayers and vampires, which if that's the case, that's fine. This, but if that's, you know, if that's setting up the big finale, then this is a bit rushed. So, cause it kind of came. And I don't way. mind if, if that's, if that's the new status quo, that's interesting. But I thought this, this issue itself as a yeah. one shot issue, I mean, it was a one shot. It's not, it says at yeah. the end, at the end, it was a one, one story yeah, the end. was not a good way to do it. It was just, it was, it was kind of stupid. Yeah. I mean, just the whole, the whole celebrity, it was more about parody, parodying the celebrity culture in America than anything yeah. else. And it exactly. was, it was very, very ham handed and, uh, ham handed, disappointed, disappointed. <laughs> um, Templar, Templar he wrote a review of Secret Six number five, and he gave the story a four out of five, and the art a four out of five, and three point five percent of the I fan base made this their pick of the week. And he says, normally I can take a leave of Gail Simone. On Wonder Woman, I find her to be rather inconsistent, but in this title, she's been gold. I think that's the result of being able to work with characters she isn't afraid to make to seem down and dirty, because that's who the Secret Six are. With Wonder Woman, sometimes res- she respects the character too much to make her truly shine. Here, individual and powerful characterizations are as bright as day. Okay. Yeah, we don't we don't read this book, so I thought um, a lot of people like it, and we should uh, have a chance to. People seem to keep liking it. And, Nicole Scott's uh, Nicole, on it, right? Yeah, she is. Yeah, yeah. yeah. She's uh, she's pretty good with a pencil. So I hear. From what I hear, um, so if you uh, like DVDs or or Blu-ray discs, then you will want to be part of Netflix. There's over a hundred thousand titles. Uh, now they have Blu-ray for a dollar extra a month. I know that. Uh, free shipping both ways. You usually get it in one day. My my service center is in Flushing, so it does not take long for a disc to get to me. Um, and uh, you can go to www.netflix.com slash iFanboy to sign up for a free two-week trial. Um, I, I, I use mine a lot. I hate when I send something back on a, on a Friday afternoon because <laughs> that means you got nothing for the weekend. Yeah. You got to space it out better. Talk. Yeah. You got to time it better. Yeah, I you know. Pay, you got to pace it better. Who are you, Jane Espinosa? Well, I had had a problem with my disc, so I had to get a replacement sent, which they were very good at. They send it right away without you 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 having to send yours back, but it, it messed up my timing. Uh, was it Blu-ray? It was a Blu-ray problem. Yeah. Oh, well, Assassination of Jesse James cut out exactly halfway through. I hope you oh, enjoy yeah. that player for the next year. <laughs> it still plays DVDs. The technology dies. <laughs> it's, it, all the, I can just play both kinds now. That's all. All right. It's time for email. Let's get on with this. Gary Lewis writes and says, I have some questions that, that all seem to revolve around comics and money. Oh, are we, boy. Are we reading each question and then answering, or are we reading them all and then answering? Which hmm. one do you want to do? Let's, let's, let's do one at a time. Let's do one yeah, at a yeah, time. Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, okay. All right, number one. Should I feel bad that I order my comics through a subscription service now as opposed to supporting my local comic store? I still pick up a few things here and there from them, but the discounted prices over on the web make it inter- increasingly hard to justify these visits. I, I don't think you should feel bad. I mean, I mean, I, I, I would say support your local comic store and, and do the best you can, but ultimately you've got to do what you've got to do, right? You should feel bad if you have a really good local store and you like them, but you don't go there. But if you don't have a good local store and there's no reason for you to go there, then no. I say unless you're friends with the owner, you shouldn't feel bad about, it, about going for the best deal you can. Yeah. If, if, if it doesn't, I mean, it's not, you, you can't, at the end of the day, you can't save everybody. Yeah, you're not responsible yeah, for somebody's business. Yeah. Yeah, if, unless you're their buddy, you know them personally, you know, then that's different. But Well, here's the deal. If it was a great shop, you'd want to. It doesn't matter, though. You, 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 yeah, but if, if, the, if the money's the most important option and you can get the best deals online, then that's what you got to do. Yeah. And these, day, you know? these, these, this economy, you got to do what you got to do. And the store owners understand that. I mean, it sucks, but, you know, 
Nobody, nobody wants to see a business go out of business. But if, if you know, if you you only have so much money you can spend, then you know, I, I what I, what you try to do. I mean, like what I do is I have I'm friends with my with with my store owner. That's where I shop on a weekly basis. I still buy stuff online though. I you know I buy the majority of my trades and and stuff like that online because it's a better deal. You know, he knows that, mm-hmm. and I tell him that. You know, like it's I'm very upfront about it. So that's tough. All right, next one. Comics are expensive, and one of the reasons is the quality of materials used to produce them. Would it be possible for a new comic company to come out printing comics like it was done, say, 20 years ago and have a lower price point, maybe $2? I don't want the quality of my books to diminish, but at the same time, it's the story and the art that's important to me, not the grade of paper it's on. I would say go find a comic from 20 years ago and tell me if you want to buy that on a weekend, a week-out basis. Because I don't think you, I don't think you want that. I think we've been spoiled. Like that that the the, the newsprinty paper and the and the 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 way it absorbs the the ink and stuff like that. Ugh. Yeah. I I also think like people don't like a two dollar comic. I don't think is enough of an incentive. I mean, you see that with what's funny is that people love Fell and people love Casanova, but they don't say they love it because it's two bucks. Right. You know yeah, what I mean? It's like good. Right. Yeah. Right. I mean, like the thing is, I think everybody's come to accept three dollars as a price point. I think higher than that, people obviously complain about, but for most of your comic book readers, that's not the the thing that that stops them from buying a book or gets them to buy a book. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, it's like, funny because whenever, whenever – what are those books, the showcases that come – and the essentials that have the newsprint? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Whenever one of those comes out on iFanboy on the, on the pull list feature, people always complain about – I'd buy this if it wasn't for the paper. It's it's it, it. I think it's more of a factor than people realize. Like Ron said, if you really look at those books, it really does affect the art. Well, and, and that's the funny thing about those essentials is that like is is that you know I love them because because they are cheap and there's there's so much in them, but they're black and white. You know, like if they tried to reprint those in color on that paper, it would be it'd be shit, and I wouldn't want it. You know, it would so, also be would be more expensive, and it wouldn't you wouldn't yeah, be able to buy them. Exactly. Yeah. That's a, that's a tough one too, but I I think that I mean I think that if somebody you know if if Fell or Casanova or one of those other books or somebody came out with a line of comics that were maybe black and white and a dollar ninety nine or whatever, ultimately that wouldn't be the thing that made them successful. It would be that they're that they're good comics, like right? Josh mentioned you know so you know because the difference between a good comic that's three bucks and an okay comic that's two bucks, I'm buying the three dollar comic. It doesn't matter, you know, like the. I guess just because we've gotten used to it. All right, third part. Yep. When does Phil come out again? <laughs> Next year. Good luck with yeah. that one. Uh, <laughs> I want someone to blame for this price jump so they may be punished. Any idea who I can pin this on? Alan Greenspan. <laughs> <laughs> no, not just Alan Greenspan. His price was going up for a while. Uh, what's the, it what's the other guy? Who's the new guy? Bernanke? 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 No, no, no. The, without, even if the economy hadn't crashed in October, we'd still have a $4 comic book. It's because of the paper pricing and all the stuff that comes, the overhead from producing paper goods. Yeah, and the overhead of all sorts of things, you know, insurance. It's a lot of factors, but it's not. I mean, everybody wants to blame exclusive creators and blame and Alex Ross. I, I I can get behind that. <laughs> Let's just blame Alex Ross. Everybody, He's the new scapegoat. I would like a T-shirt. <laughs> blame Alex Ross. Oh, write that down. Well, that's good. He's not angry at all. That's fantastic. <laughs> Uh, all right, like, fine. Next... We'll pick somebody less volatile. Blame John Byrne. <laughs> our next email comes from Ed from Canberra. Isn't that Australia? Yes. Um, on the cover of the new issue of the newly relaunched Punisher series that we talked about earlier, Frank has Norman Osborn in the crosshairs of a, of a Super Scroll rifle, similarly with the Sentry on the variant cover. If Frank actually managed to take out Bob the Sentry or Norman Osborn, that'd be pretty cool, right? My question yes. is, which character in the Marvel Universe should the Punisher kill, not only because that person is annoying, but also to improve his rep? Um, Mila. 
No, she's taken care of. Oh, no, she's always she's on always there. the background. She's the albatross of the book. <laughs> He's working on it. How um, great was it when they tried to get rid of her? The thing <laughs> is, all the characters I really don't like are good guys. So Frank can't kill any of those unless it turns out that one of them is like a pederast. We look the ones we would hate. The ones we <laughs> the ones we want to go away are the ones we find annoying. But the the ones you hate are there to hate. That's the reason why they are there. You want to hate them. That's the point. Yeah. Like, like I would not, love him to shoot Tony Stark in the head, but uh, then I wouldn't have someone to hate. Right. I want Tony Stark back. I don't know who this guy's been. I think they're going to find out he's a super, super, super scroll. <laughs> <laughs> and, then, and then we can have the actual Tony Stark back because he was at one time awesome. <laughs> I'd, love him to, I'd, love, I'd love the Punisher to shoot Clint Barton just to see what would happen. That'd be great. Wow. Yeah. That or no, no, no. You know it would be great if he shot Mockingbird. <laughs> <laughs> like she just got back and then bang in the head. Oh, hey, dudes, bam. And, and, then, oh. and then Clint would stab him in the face with an arrow. <laughs> nah, Clint would cry. I'll take While these. stabbing him in the face with an arrow. <laughs> what if they found like a, like, a, like a hard drive full of child porn on Strong Guy's computer? <laughs> you know what? If anybody would have it, it would be him. Totally. Oh. He's got that little baby hair doopy thing. Oh, be nice to Guido. He's a good guy. He's not a real person. <laughs> he's, he's, he's awful. He's he, should go. he should go. He should go too. Um, so if you, if you have a recommendation of somebody who should get shot by the Punisher, email us at contact.fanboy.com and let us know. Uh, so on to the voicemail. Uh, cool. Our old friend checks in. This is Daryl. I ain't even stalking. I'm just pissed. Old man Logan. How the hell is Logan beating all the X-Men? They all train with him. They all know how he fights. How would he kill all the X-Men? And how would Mysterio, who has no powers trick Wolverine. He doesn't have telepathy or anything like that. How would he trick Wolverine into killing all the X-Men? That's just bullshit. I think Mark Miller broke Daryl. <laughs> well, you got to admit that it, it is a convenient uh, what, what, you know, plot device. <laughs> that's how Mark Miller writes comics, though. <laughs> convenient. And, and it's not important. It's, you just gotta, and that's not really the important part of the story. It's right. what the aftermath of it is. You have to just go with that part. Yeah. It's not a real story. Well, maybe, I, maybe, you know, I mean, in any sense, in no way is it a real story. But the thing, I mean, the thing is, like, he's like Batman. Like, if you were to ask, like, who is going to take if they got the chance, you know, could Wolverine take everybody down if he had to? Yes, I think the, I think yeah, the prevailing answer to that in the Marvel universe is yes. Yeah, because he goes into the he's the best Wolverine at, he's gone feral. Best at what he does. He goes into berserker mode, and then. I, I, I didn't have a problem with, with buying the fact that he would kill them all. He oh, and I, I don't have thing. a problem with Mysterio doing it either. Mysterio is pretty badass. Mysterio is as badass as they need him to be. Right, yeah. It's like Electro in the beginning of New Avengers. Yeah. Like yes. he's just the guy who broke everybody. Like Electro? Yeah. Him? He's either bumbling or he's, he's, he's de- deadly, depending on what the story needs. He's, he serves the story. That's the and m- really, that's not, that's not the point. I mean, the point is to, it, that's just a device to tell the story. It's not really. You know, it could have been anybody. You could it could have been, I don't know, mysterious Master, mastermind. Yeah, 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 yeah. Why wasn't it mastermind? That would make more sense. Oh, he's dead. It's lady mastermind now, and it's it's all complicated. And right Mysterio's costume is awesome, so it yes, was better it to set that reveal. Was awesome. Love the, the fishbowl. Love the fishbowl. Ah, yeah, he's quil- quilted. All right. If if you're pissed <laughs> if you're pissed off about anything about uh, Mark Miller or Wolverine, you can e- you can vote. Bleh, you can. Call and leave us a voicemail at one eight 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 fanboys. That's one eight 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 three two six two six nine seven. 
I should not. Cold meds just. Yeah, I should not be. The cold medicine just wore off like 10 minutes ago. <laughs> Oops. Mister- so anyway, Dr. Oh. <laughs> Mysterio wears his lining on the outside. That's the problem. Yeah. Like yeah. you buy those jackets that have lining in them for the winter. Yeah. He wears the, the thing about Mysterio that always got me was the um, the little buckles on the cape to the, like the little eyeball buckles. Those always freak me out. Those are his eyes. Yeah, that's because – yeah. I don't know. I always like Mysterio. Mysterio. Remember Mysterio was the big reveal in the Kevin Smith Daredevil run? I hated yes. that. That's why I hate Mysterio, I think. Oh, you hate Mysterio? It's awesome. Mysterio. It's Mysterio. awesome. Mysterio is he has no. He has no limits. It's like whatever you need Mysterio to do, that's what you can make Mysterio do. Like he's that like utility character in that way, I think. Does he really not have and, powers? Well, no, but they don't ever really explain – how he's like he was a special effects guy. Yeah. <laughs> How is he doing it? Like, is he is he using mirrors? Is he is he have animatronics? Like, what? Well, the, I, like, the irony the irony is is that there are, there have been three Mysterios. There was a really? Qu- Quentin Beck was the first one, then Daniel Burkhart, and then Francis Klum. Ah, uh, yes, Klum. But now now well, like, now it's Beck. Beck is it's the one that currently is the is the one. Yeah. Like, he worked in the 60s when you didn't have to explain or try to find some reason for it to work. But, like, yeah. now I feel like you need a reason. You, you don't. I don't think that's true anymore. I don't think you – and that's part of, the, part of the problem with comics is you're feeling the need to explain everything. Yeah. No, it's – Just it's, go with it. Mysterio can make you think other things are happening. Quentin Beck was an expert designer of special effects devices and stage illusions, a master hypnotist and magician, and an amateur chemist and roboticist. He has extensive knowledge of hand-to-hand <laughs> combat <laughs> techniques, learned as a stuntman, but uh, didn't otherwise possess superhuman abilities. See that's what gets me. If he was a mutant, I would buy it. Yeah, but Mys- he's not. He's Mysterio has personal weaponry that includes a one-way plexiglass fishbowl helmet with thirty-minute air supply, with holographic projector, and gloves and boots armed with no- nozzles which emit hallucinogenic gas. He developed a gas that can cancel Spider-Man's spider sense when he is cloaked in his mist gases. He uses sonar to te- detect objects and beings nearby. He also has more advanced techno- technology at his disposal. See whatever you need him to have. Oh, he's hand to hand. He knows robots. He knows gases. He's he's a chemist. He's a roboticist. He's, that's, a, that's so different than Batman, though. True. I know. There's, there's ton of guy, tons of guys like that. Do you want him to be on the same level as Batman? You can't well, have I'm saying, that. I'm, what I'm saying is that there's no difference between if you want a bad guys who are formidable, you got to make them formidable. Otherwise, yeah. they're a joke. Yeah, but yeah. he's got a fishbowl in his head. Also, you said nozzle. These are the things I forget about. Karen Page was killed by Bullseye after Mysterio had convinced her that she was suffering from HIV due to her time as a porn star. Like, how did I miss those issues of Daredevil? (laughs) That was Kevin Smith's run. No, I know, but I love the – well, at some point before that, Karen Page was a porn star. I don't think she – I don't. I don't think so. I think they just brought her back and that was the – I don't remember. Well, she was on – no, she was. She was on heroin and she did porn. I thought she was just a hooker. (laughs) No. That's a fine line. Someone sets a camera up here, porn star. Oh, God. Yeah, it doesn't take much to be a star in that industry. What I love, Karen, no Karen becomes of, addicted um, to heroin and starts making pornographic movies. <laughs> there's no character porn actors. There's only stars. There's no hierarchy. You go from not doing porn to being a porn star right away. <laughs> it's true. It's no, you can climb the ladder very quickly. There's no in-between. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Do one porn, you're a star. No wonder so many people want to be in it. How do you supply the internet with that many people? Like, 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 what's the overall? Like, I'm thinking, like, what? Eight percent of all women have now done porn because that's the turnover that we have going on. And I'm it, still no? waiting to see somebody we went to school with. It's, it's got it's <laughs> to happen. It's got to. It happen. has. To. <laughs> Except for the Eastern European factor. Yeah, anyway, good point. <laughs> wow, we are off topic. 
Yeah. Wow, so if, if you still want to check out ifanboy.com, you can definitely do that. I don't know why you would. <laughs> we don't talk about any of this there. If you're the, the, all the men that are still listening, you can check out ifanboy.com for Ron, Josh's Pick of the Week review of Hellboy. You can read our in-depth comic book discussion, our, our daily columnists, and all the fun stuff that happens at ifanboy.com, including the Monday pull list where you can get all your books, make a pull list, and rate and review your books on Wednesday. And print it out, which is awesome. I always uh, do that. You can go to the video show. Wait, you'd go to the website and watch the video show. It comes out every Wednesday except this past Wednesday. Um, when it didn't because we took our first week off ever and, and our last for a good long while. So there was no show last week, but if you go to revision3.com slash ifanboy this week, you will see our secret invasion wrap-up show. Hopefully. That's right. Maybe there will be some surprises in what we thought or what we didn't. <laughs> Maybe. And you can get a T-shirt and wear that while you're watching the show and then wave a flag and have a poster on your wall and hold a Polaroid of, of us. While you're doing all that, and you can get your T-shirt at revision3.com/store, where they have the iFanboy intern shirts for fifteen ninety-nine. Yes, and they also got stickers there if you want to get an iFanboy sticker at revision3.com/store. Um, little logo on a blue field type thing. Um, and uh, if you need to get in touch with us, you can email us at contact at ifanboy.com or you can call and leave a voicemail at one eight 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 fanboys That's one eight 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 three two six two six nine seven. 326 Any questions, comments, opinions, thoughts, anything, we'd love to hear from you, so write and call in. And if you're calling in, be sure to limit it to about 30 seconds and tell us who you are and where you're from. That name is huge, by the way. If you go to ifanboy.com slash about, you will find many links to, to the different uh, social networks and places on the web where you can uh, get in touch with us, if, be, it, be it Facebook or Twitter or MySpace or Comic Space or any of those things. So uh, go there. And if you like the show, you can write a review on iTunes, and that's how people find the show when they search comic book podcasts. So we appreciate that. You can do that for this show or for the video show. We thank you very much. If you can tell your friends, your comic book store buddies, your people that you know, the people you screw over when you shop on Amazon, all those people, tell them to spread the iFanboy word. Yeah, just put it in the comments of your Amazon order. <laughs> <laughs> and finally, if you like what we do and if you appreciate all the great free content that we give on iFanboy.com on a weekly basis, um, why not become a member of the iFanboy.com community? Um, if you go to um, ifanboy.com forward slash store, there you can go to the ifanboy store where that we have uh, several different levels of membership. Um, you can sign up for $4 a month or $40 a year or – isn't that $42 a year? $42 a year. $4 a month or $42 a year or you can sign up for $10 a month and or $100 a year. Um, if you sign up uh, at the $4 a month, $42 a year level, you get some stickers and buttons and a random comic book um, that we'll mail to you. If you sign up at the $10 a month or $100 a year, you get all that plus you get a special limited edition iFanboy members, members only t-shirt. Um, so go to ifanboy.com forward slash store. Please help support us. Uh, we want to keep doing this for you. And uh, if you like it, then you know uh, we, we'd, appreciate, we'd appreciate your help. So thank you. Be, be part of the solution. Yes, exactly. We thank everybody who signed up. The iFanboy membership base is growing. It's growing every day. People are signing up. So definitely get on board. And it's also your, uh, your key to getting um, on the inside track to all the cool stuff in 2009 that we've got planned. Some limited edition uh, you know, things like T-shirts and um, other things like that, surprises, giveaways, things like that. So you've got to be a member in order to get that. So sign up today. Members also get access to the iFanboy porn section. Hey, we're keeping now, see, before around. you were all being like we were the jerks, and then you took it well, over. It's too late now. We've already done it. Might as well tell everybody now. <laughs> Announce that we're doing hardcore and it's, next month. Yeah, but it's it's mostly me, so I don't know if that's a problem. <laughs> There's like two people out there who are like, all right. Occasionally, you know, Ron and I might make guest appearances, but for now, it's just Ron, Josh, and his wife. I, I just, I, I, just you- I, I just deliver the pizza. That's it. <laughs> also, uh, don't mention it to her. 
she acts like she's not doesn't realize it's camera. Don't worry about it. it looks kind of like green night vision. Because I thought it would be healthy for my marriage to share that on the internet. Reading community. Anything to make a buck, baby. And if she seems really surprised when I show up, <laughs> she's a very good actress. She's a very good actress. Oh, man. Oh, oh. I, I don't want to picture that anymore. Just make it, make it stop. <laughs> I'm speechless. There it is. <laughs> this is what happens when we don't have a lot of books to talk about, it seems. <laughs> Someone's got porn on his mind. <laughs> hey, who started it? Not me. I didn't start Karen it. Page. <laughs> Karen Page. Karen Page. Ron, you started it. It's, it's my fault. All right. Until next week, I'm Ron. I'm Connor. And I am Josh. I'm sorry, honey. <laughs> Oh!